As I said, I want to spend this time uh, telling what ultimately is God's story in this place. I've selected uh, these scriptures, including Psalm 150 at the beginning, to help tell this story. But I want to start in what is perhaps an unlikely place, and that is uh, some, oh, I don't know, 22 years ago in the fall of 2001, three men showed up to a worship service in Lenore, North Carolina. Um, That wasn't very discreet, really, when three middle-aged men show up together as a gang to worship. And then one of them kept saying amen loudly all through (laughs) the service, which I'm not sure had happened in Lenore prior to that point. Uh, It turned out to be Melvin Graham and George Houston and David Butler, Matt's father. Uh, And later I would meet others on the the search committee, Quay Youngblood, who chaired it, Angela Hinton, and some others uh, who are not here today. But when I started talking to them, they were telling me me about this church in Charlotte, and we we got down to what was most important to us all, and they told me that this was a very young church. It just had one pastor uh, who had had started the church and been there 20 years, and, and what was most important to them was that their new pastor have a relationship with Jesus and follow Jesus, preach the word and trust the word. And I, I said to them, that's what I want too, as a church that follows Jesus and trusts the word. And, I, I, and it sounded wonderful to me. And I said, well, is this just you folks here in this room or is that what the, the elders are like? Is that what the congregation is like? And they said, yeah, that's, that's the, the whole congregation. And I said, well, you know, I'm I'm more musical than the average pastor. What if I want to do some music things? They said, you can do anything you want as long as you um, are following Jesus and teaching the word. Anything you want. And and we're an adventurous bunch. We just want to be faithful to the Lord. And, And they and you have been good to that description and that promise. That is indeed how I found this congregation. Um, And it continues to this day. And I was, as I thought back through that, I was reminded of the scripture that we read, uh, that I read to you from John 1, that centers everything on Jesus as the the living word of God and then uh, taught to us through the written word of God. Uh, We read in the beginning was the word, and John is going to identify that as Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus Christ. And it's in him that we, his followers, we, his church, find our life and our light. Um, I also, uh, one of my favorite verses is this short one from Matthew 5. It's in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus is really teaching the old scriptures, the Hebrew scriptures, but he's, he's also going deeper with it. He's, he's talking about obeying God's word at the heart level. He shares the Beatitudes. He shares uh, a number of the Ten Commandments, but then says you have to keep them in your head and in your heart, not just externally. And right in the middle of all that, he says this verse, I haven't come to do away with the law and the prophets, with the old covenant, the old scripture. I have come to fulfill them. And he would go on and say, and to explain them to you. From the beginning, this church has been one that centers itself, that anchors itself on Jesus Christ and on the scriptures. And that is still true today. And that's It just doesn't get any better than that. That is the heart of being the church. So I wanted to start there with God's story that you have and continue to to ground yourself in Jesus and in the scripture. 
Well, as I um, trotted out there to the, the search committee, I, I had some musical ideas. And when I got here, I was right in the middle of this focused um, doctoral dissertation on worship and uh, music and how it all worked together. And uh, shortly after I came, it's like we have the old praise team here today. Um, the Jason and Tiffany shortly were part of our praise team and Kathy came on staff. And we started this, this worship that I guess you could call blended, but it really, you know, we had organ and choir and um, band. But really the organizing principle of all that was God's word and what would be preached on any given Sunday. So we, we very carefully, and this, this is true all the way till today with Eric, we choose all the music not to meet this or that style preference. You know, now we have jazz, we've had some bluegrass, we've had classical, but it's all chosen to, um, to proclaim God's word for the day. To, uh, it's all rooted in what is, what is the sermon about? What's the scripture about? And let's sing that in all the different ways that we can. And we, we talked about using all the tools uh, in our toolbox. And what we found was that very quickly, more and more musical people and then more and more artistic people gathered at the church. And um, it was just a season of flourishing for years and years around worship and music, around this idea that we use all of our gifts, whether they be musical gifts or administrative gifts um, or whatever they are, we use them to the glory of God. So I, I chose Psalm 150 to start our service because it, it does that. It talks about our, our organizing principle is to praise the Lord for who God is and what God has done everywhere we go and with all the, all the tools we have possible. And that includes those of you who sit out there and sing, and gosh, you sang, you sang our ears off today. It was amazing, right? It's not just the musicians up front, but it's all of us that sing. Whether you think you sing well or poorly, that's not the point. It's lifting our hearts to the Lord in prayer. And so the, you know, the psalm talks about trumpets and stringed instruments and cymbals, and there must have been a drummer in David's house somewhere because they mentioned cymbals twice in there, uh, to the delight of my family. Um, <laughs> And there's so many verses that talk about worship as well as music, but I think about this, um, this season that really began early on and has continued through to this day. And you know, and you probably have heard people say, I can't believe for a church your size how big and far-reaching and rich and diverse the, the music and the arts are here. And that's, um, that may be an interest I brought to the church, but that doesn't go away with me. I mean, it, Good Shepherd is rich with that. And, it, and the heart of it is not, look at all our musicians. It's we want to love and, and praise the Lord. And that overflows into the community. And I've been so blessed by that. Well, interestingly, and I did not see this coming, that first season of really digging into worship, to focusing on God, led to a season of mission. And I, I in hindsight... I think that's because God's heart is for the world that he created, that he loves. And the closer we got, the more we pursued um, honoring God and loving God and, and saying, what is it that God wants? We realized God wants us out there. And so in the late 2000s, this, this season, that we, the, the tag phrase we used was lighthouse and searchlight. But we, uh, we really pressed out beyond the walls of our church in, in, for my time here, what was a new way. 
We started Wednesday nights going out into the community to bookstores and coffee shops, walking uh, the streets and praying for our neighbors. And it was during that time that um, one of our, our high school seniors uh, was graduating, was going to preach a sermon, and uh, chose Jeremiah 29, 11 as the core of his sermon. And that's a familiar verse. I call it the coffee mug verse. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare, not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. Such a wonderful, sweet thing to say to someone graduating high school. Except, I said to our senior, well, if you're going to preach, we need to look at the context of this verse and see what was going on. I didn't particularly know the context at the time, but as we looked at that whole chapter, we realized that this verse was to the people of Israel, God's people, who had been unfaithful, who had been defeated by the Babylonians, taken from their homes, their temple torn down, their houses, some of them destroyed, all of them taken from their homes into a foreign land, into captivity, into exile, seeming like the Lord himself had left them, right? Except God sent this message through Jeremiah to them to say, you are my people, even still, and I am with you there in captivity. And before God gets to this verse, what he says to them is, I want you to pray for your captors. Pray for these Babylonians who have taken everything from you. Seek the blessing of this city in which you live. Not, not back home, but this place of exile. And as you do that, as you pray for your neighbors, even the ones you perhaps hate, and as you seek my blessing, God says, on uh, Babylon, on this city, then you will experience my blessing. And then God says this. So these plans God has for us for blessing, not for calamity, for a future and a hope, were written to a people after they repented and turned back to obedience and moved out into the neighborhood. And that became, in this, the late 2000s, just um, kind of what captivated me and us of the church is the people out in the world bearing witness to God. And as we seek the blessing of our neighbors, we'll experience God's blessing. Sounds like Jesus, right? Love your neighbor. Um, who is your neighbor? That sort of thing. Well, are you ready for an intermission? I wasn't particularly uh, in 2010 and 11, but we had one. We realized the, the air conditioning didn't work in here, and if, that's, if there's anything that will get my attention, it's that. Um, the roof was starting to leak. We would have you know, drips and drops here and there. Um, as much as we all cherished the, the globe light, the moonlights and the orange carpet, and if you've come since then, you just, you, you don't understand. Um, we have pictures. We decided there were some um, repairs we had to do, and while we were doing that, there were some upgrades that we needed to do. And so for about a two to three year period, we did those. And here's a before and after shot of the sanctuary. You can see what the orange looked like, um, and these, this platform wasn't here. They were homemade. Um, many platforms wrapped in orange carpet was what the band stood on. Um, and you, yeah, you can see the moonlights hanging down there, these globes that hung down about six feet lower than these. Um, and, and I loved it because this is our church. But we did this project, which was necessary, and we, did, we 
I think, did it in the best way possible. I'm convinced that we were good stewards, as we always are, of the resources God has entrusted to us that people give of time given. We stewarded that well. However, my experience was that because it took, we were a small church and it took so many people to do that, uh, it hit pause on our mission, on the lighthouse searchlight bit. It kind of in the same way that later COVID would. Um, and, and after the, the building renovation and, and repair, we had to rediscover what is it that God wants us to do here with these, you know, this now solid roof and this now cool room. Uh, but how, how are we again to re-engage out into the world? And, and we would ask that question again, as I said, after, after COVID, a, you know, a two-year pause in many ways on what we're doing. Well, what I think came out of that first pause was what I would call a kingdom vision, in some ways similar to the lighthouse and the searchlight idea, um, but, but really um, maybe just a slightly different focus uh, as we moved out. For me, what launched that was uh, a, a training event with our presbytery that was oriented around uh, racial justice, racial injustice and racial justice. They convened 25 white pastors and 25 black pastors for a whole weekend at First Presbyterian Uptown, and they had some folks come in and facilitate conversation. But it wasn't just education and training, it was uh, sharing the, the life experience and lived experience among that group of 50. And they weren't strangers, these were friends. Folks I had at that point been uh, in ministry around for 10, 12, 15 years, people I trusted uh, who had um, you know, the same education as me, the same responsibilities as me. And yet for the, those black pastors, 25 out of 25 had a, a radically different experience of life than I did. Um, and I, as I've shared here before, you know, I, I grew up um, wanting to do the right thing as a white person, not being explicitly prejudiced towards people, but completely unaware of the different life experience of um, these 25 friends and uh, people of color everywhere. And that, that event for me led to a desire to uh, dig into the scriptures and understand what is God's vision in the world. And one of the core verses of that, and again, like worship, there are many, uh, but one of the core verses is when Jesus read from the scroll of Isaiah in Luke 4. And he read God's vision from the Hebrew scriptures uh, to uh, set free the imprisoned, to um, care for the poor, for the oppressed, to bring justice where there was injustice. And after reading that, which in itself would be enough, right? That's God's word through Isaiah. Jesus said, today, that promise of what God envisions for the world is fulfilled in me. I mean, Jesus rooted that particular kingdom vision for the downtrodden, the oppressed, the poor, uh, those who had experienced injustice in himself and said, this is what I'm about. Not one day in eternity in the heavenly kingdom, but here on earth. Because Jesus announced that kingdom has come to earth in me. It starts with me. So if you follow me, he said, you're part of this kingdom and you're about this work. So that's led to a number of expressions here at our church. We've had several classes and book reads, uh, which are encouraging to me. Uh, I hope that 
work continues because I think that is the center of the gospel. It's living out God's kingdom, again, beyond our walls, perhaps even within our walls. Uh, I see expression in the work that Christy is doing uh, in our neighborhood. She is caring well for the children and youth that we already have, but she's also reaching out with this vision for our neighbors, this kingdom vision. I see it in our serve committee. We have a team of people who also are getting out into the neighborhood uh, to meet neighbors, particularly of different color, different economic background, and to build relationships. And all of that work is kingdom work. It's, in a very real way, it's, it's a continuation and, and perhaps a, a magnification of the, that lighthouse searchlight work in the early 2000s, but digging even deeper into what is God's vision for the world. And that, interestingly, uh, comes back full circle then to this last passage, passage in Ephesians, to Jesus and the scripture. Right, that, that kingdom vision work around race, around injustice, around any of those kinds of issues, those are scriptural Jesus kingdom issues. They are, for many of us, including me, they are hard. They are difficult. They are challenging. They are easily politicized. But before that, they're God's issues, and so they're ours. And so that brings me back to where I started. This is a church who cares about following Jesus and obeying God's word. Um, and that's right where we still are. We maybe understand it more deeply than, we did, than I did 20 years ago. Uh, but that, that worship has led us into where would God take us out into the world? And this uh, is where I find us. So I want to I highlight two things from Ephesians 4. Uh, one is the second half of this uh, to remind you that in sharp contrast to the, the polarization we see in our culture around politics and race and money and all kinds of things, the Bible describes our unity in our faith and, and, it, and just couldn't say the word any more than is packed into these few verses, right? Therefore, uh, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. That is a picture of what this very diverse group of people uh, what draws us together into community. And, and, you know, if I had to name one thing that I enjoy most about Good Shepherd, music's right up there. But, uh, but even above that is the community here, the family here. That's God's picture for what the church is supposed to look like. You can read it in Acts 2. You can read it throughout Scripture. That's why he says in Hebrews, don't forsake assembling together. This is how God organizes his people into, into community in the world. So Jesus, God's word, it's the subject of our life together here, and it's what will continue to bind you together, whether around challenging topics, around whatever's next in world news, in world events. I would challenge you, it's, it's the answer to every children's sermon question, right? It's Jesus. I would challenge you to keep your eyes on Jesus and the word for truth and direction and vision to welcome the Holy Spirit that unites you and empowers you and binds you. That was last week's sermon. And I want to end by reading to you um, Paul's exhortation 
in Ephesians. It's the first half of Ephesians 4. As a, as a charge, a challenge, an exhortation to you as well as to myself. Therefore, I implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Um, God is with you. Whether Heather and I are here or not, God is with you. We will thank and pray for you often. We'll watch the live stream, and I pray a special blessing on Mike. Um, <laughs> even this morning, <laughs> we're like, no, live stream's not working. We will uh, keep praying for that as well as for each of you. Um, and we'll, we'll have some more time after the service to share and to, to say more. But just know that we love you, and we're thankful for all this time together. Amen. Amen.